Hello, I'm Josh Whittacombe. And I'm Rob Beckett. Welcome to Lockdown Parenting Hell, the show in which Rob and I discuss what it's like to be a parent during lockdown, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, in an effort to make some kind of sense of the current situation... And to make me feel better about my increasingly terrible parenting skills... Each episode will be chatting to a famous parent about how well they're coping. Or hopefully not. And we will be hearing from you, the listener, with your tales of lockdown parenting woe. Because, let's be honest, none of us know what we're doing. Hello and welcome to Lockdown Parenting Hell with... Can you say Josh Widdicombe? Josh Widdicombe. Well done. You can have a chocolate. All right, go away. Amazing. I mean, the efficiency there, that, that was instant. Well done. Have a chocolate. See you later. That was, yeah. That mum does not fuck about. And also, Lauren, who is, um, I'm presuming that is. Yeah. You know, people have a, a voice they use for talking to their child. She's the first person I've ever met that doesn't have a different voice for talking to a child. Maybe if you could just say, uh, Rob Beckham, Josh Widdicombe. Is that all right? Yeah. Yep. Good. Right. Here's the chocolate. See you later. Yeah, she sounds like she's talking to a PA, like in in the middle of a busy day. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, just get those flights booked and uh, just change that meeting for next week. Thank you. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, just basically just whatever fits in with tier three. Thank you very much. Cool. Next call. Yep. Yeah, what's that? Yep. Yeah, cool. There's the chocolate. Bye. Say that name. <laughs> oh, hello. Oh, you're my child, are you? Brilliant. How's homework? Good. Okay. Yeah, report. Yep. Yeah, okay. Cool. See you later. <laughs> she's efficient. Lauren's efficient. Would love to know what her job is. Uh, that is Neve. Uh, she's three in January, and we live in a beautiful, picturesque borough of Croydon. Oh, lovely, lovely stuff. Also, here is a tip for parents who, like myself, have found themselves in a situation where they have to isolate for fourteen days because some kid has tested positive in their kid's bubble at school. Write numbers and words on pieces of paper and hide them all around the house. Sit on the sofa and shout out words and numbers for your children to find. Tada! Homeschooling. That is good. So efficient, isn't she? Especially if you're like, because mine's in the first year of reception, like they are doing certain words that they've got to get to know. So that's quite good practice. You've got to practice that anyway. To be fair to Lauren, she's got a five-year-old, a three-year-old and a two-month-old. Oh my God, no wonder she's efficient. She's been 14 days of lockdown. No wonder she's speaking in such a monotone. <laughs> Is that no wonder there's no joy in her voice? <laughs> <laughs> you're just getting through the day, Lauren, I get it. Yeah, you're, you know, you're, you're wallpapering words over your walls just to keep the kids busy. I've been there. You've got to do what you've got to do. How are you, Rob? I'm good. I'm not too bad. I've opened the treasure chest. That is our Instagram messages. It's an oh. absolute, it's like the Wild West on there, mate. Is it? There's no, like, formalities of an email. Because normally an email, it's always like, hi, big fan of the of pod. Da, 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 da. I, and also because it comes from an official account and a name. And also because it's a bit more secret, isn't it, on Instagram? Because you could have a picture. You could have no picture. It could be locked. We've got one here, which is quite exciting. Um, can we see a picture and or get producer Michael's surname so we can stalk him on behalf of all women listening to the Tom Allen episode? So it sounds like producer Michael's got a sexy voice because that lady seemed very keen on producer Michael. Yeah. But, you know, I think, you know, voices can be deceiving. He's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I can now. Here he is. Here, Here he is. is. Sexy Michael. Michael, have you been told you've had a sexy voice before? Well, I have, actually. It's not the first time I've heard it, yeah. Oh! I, I think Michael's been producing up his voice. It's more bassy now. Right, Michael, yeah. that is. It sounds... I don't know if because someone's pointed out it's sexy, it sounds sexy, or you're making it sexier subconsciously, but what... Would you say, is this your normal voice, then, would you say? Or do you put on a talking-on-the-air voice? 
I'd say if my normal voice is an eight, I've I've gone to an eleven. This is a treat. Oh, that's so. We should maybe take requests of things to say. Maybe can you say I've just put the kids both down. They're going to sleep for twelve hours. You can have a lion because I think for our listenership that could absolutely blow the roof off. What's her name? Um, <laughs> this is good. This is well, no, but if you up. don't do the name, then then every woman who's listening can enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Now let's do this for Lucy because she's reached out. So just say, Lucy, I'll put the kids to bed, and tomorrow you can have a lion. Hey, Lucy, I've um I've put the kids to bed. I've run you a nice bath. Why don't you have a lion tomorrow, and I'll take them to school. Oh, even even I'm up for it. And it's not March. I'm gonna say it very rarely to uh, your partner. Do you say hey before you say their name? <laughs> <laughs> But that's he's trying to create the ideal scenario. Not it's your fucking turn to do it. I did it last time. And I've got work in a minute, which is how it normally sounds. So, Michael, thank you, and I think Lucy's going to really enjoy yeah, that. Very so good. That's just for that's a Christmas present for Lucy. Um, we've got some cow tongue debate I, I, coming I in. Say it. Oh, right. I was just going to say. Yeah, go it on. Brought to me again. I really more and more. I'm. Uh, I think bedtime is. I'm just obsessed with how overrated it is, Rob. <laughs> No, this is the main thing that you talk about. It's how much you hate bedtime. I, I enjoy the rest so much more than bedtime. It's crap. <laughs> but what about when they're all like clean and cosy in their pajamas? You put tuck. Yeah, but in. that's the last bit of bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know what you mean. But I, I'm not a massive fan of it. I do think it's overrated. Like, How do you rank it? the following things? Bedtime. Yep. Including bath. Yep. The first twenty minutes of the day. Yep. Car journeys. Are you just listing things you hate? Well, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm putting the things that I think might be in competition. I'm oh, not going to put... Oh, so as the worst things, the most overrated yeah. things. The car journeys, the first 20 minutes of the day. And, and bedtime. <laughs> the first 20 minutes of the day is so bleak. <laughs> <laughs> the slow realisation of what you've done to your life, but after 25 minutes of the coffee, you put that to the back of your mind and carry on the fucking grind. Is that what you're saying? I think the... The first 10 minutes of the day are tough, but I'd actually say then the following two hours, I'm absolutely on top of my game if I haven't had any alcohol in my system. You're peaking. Which is normally almost always the case at the moment. Yeah. Uh, by the moment, I mean in the last three years. I, w- I was watching the boxing and I'd, I got that, that, that perfect pint drafting and I had three pints of beer and I was absolutely battered. I've not been drinking for weeks, a month. I've not been going yeah. out. I've not been going out for dinners. You can't do anything, can you? I was so drunk. I, I felt awful the next day. I couldn't cope. It's pathetic. It is. Um, but if I haven't been drinking, mm. the the time between, say, say she wakes up at 6.30, from 6.40 to 8.40, I am fucking invincible. I kick in at about 10 a.m. I can't cope in the morning. Oh, no. And then I have such a 9 a.m. dip when I'm like, oh, my God, I've given everything. <laughs> I've given it all. I've given it all. I've gone too early. It's like when like a crap team plays like Liverpool in the in the FA Cup third round, like League Three, and they just absolutely go for it the first half, yeah. and then the last yeah. twenty minutes they score six. We've got nothing left in the tank. Um, the uh, we got some more cow tongue stuff here. That you know, it's a story that won't go away. This is from uh, some guy on Instagram, a gowned eighty five. Nothing makes sense, does it, in the new social media? What kind of name's that, Mister A Gown? We are so old. We're talking about how we you can't handle three pints you don't understand social media. <laughs> but what I do understand is Brexit and we need it. Okay, guys? <laughs> we need to, I just want to get some bloody independence back. Do you remember when there was like middle-aged comics that thought we were those awful young comics? And now we're the middle-aged comics, Rob. 
But we don't think the young people are awful. We just don't understand them. Yes, but you're not, not that I, I, I don't understand them, but I, I don't begrudge the youth. I'm excited by the youth. I find it funny and endearing and likeable when you see young people just going mental and going for it. I don't say they're going, oh, God, they're idiots. It's stupid. I think no, brilliant. Can't be a lunatic. So I think that's the difference. You will get old. You will get middle-aged. You won't be able to hold your drink forever. But as long as you don't hate everyone else while that's happening, I think you'll be okay. Do you know what I mean? Because it's mainly jealousy. You know what? That's, uh, there's our Christmas message to the nation. As long yeah. as you don't hate everyone, you're going to be okay. Exactly. It's a lot of time. You waste a lot of time hating people, don't you? Um, anyway, this, this is cow tongue gate. Anyway, back to the cow tongues. Someone once brought some cow tongue into our local pub. I was basically, if you didn't hear on previous episodes, how funny cow's tongues are and kids love them. Um, anyway, someone brought some cow tongue into local pub for a snack. My brother refused to eat the end of the tongue because the cow would have used it to lick its own ass. This led into a massive drunk debate about whether or not a cow is able to lick its own ass. I personally don't think a cow is flexible enough and even though it has a long tongue, not enough that's not long enough to lick its own ass. Any chance you could clear this argument up? Thanks, Adam. So I agree it's not flexible enough, no, is it? It's got no it hasn't got the neck or the agility to lick its own ass. It's not a cat. No, there's no way. It can lick its own ear and lick its own nostril. Sure. Can it lick its own ass? Not for the want of trying it can't, but it can't. It cannot reach it. But I think it would if it could, if that helps solve that argument, Adam. Thoughts, Josh? I agree that like uh, the cow's not going to be able to lick its own ass, But also, I don't know if that's the reason not to eat a tongue that's been brought into a pub. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. On a side note, I, I agree with that. I mean, whether it's touched anus or not, I would not eat the end of a tongue brought into a pub. No. I think that's something we can all agree on. No, there's, there's, there's bigger issues at play than, yeah. than a hypothetical anus. We've got this from Rebecca Stark. Um, firstly, thanks for bringing me so much joy every week. Secondly, I've just been reading the top baby names of 2020. I'm pregnant, not just for a morning browse. And the article I read from Baby Centre said that the number of babies registered as Malcolm this year has doubled. Whoa, from one to two. <laughs> oh, you're good, Josh. Do you know what? You've always got a 30-yarder hidden away, haven't you? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just a bit of fun. Oh, out of nowhere, top corner from the Widdicombe there. Um, it said the baby's has doubled. Baby centre put it down to people watching Malcolm X during lockdown. But surely uh, it's all down to people listening to your podcast. Um, I, you know, I, I like to say it's probably a 50-50 split between us and Malcolm X on the name, don't you think? I think that it's impossible for people to tell. And you've got to say that surely our market is the, is the naming kids market. So if anything... Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying pregnant women don't watch the Malcolm X film. I'm just right. saying there's probably, you know, more pregnant women listening to this than watching that over the summer, potentially, wouldn't you say? I'd say that's 100% true. I've got an email on a similar thing. Oh, okay. And I want you to make the decision. Greetings from Canada. Oh, yeah. So, my partner and I have started distracting ourselves with British telly during the lockdown in March. From Taskmaster, we started your and other contestants stand-up, etc., hmm. etc. Et Perhaps I've missed it. Uh, we're a few episodes behind. They haven't missed it. But I'm interested to know if Josh's daughter has ever earned a Gavin and Malcolm-style moniker of her own. Oh, yeah. We haven't asked. In case it's an issue of being out of ideas, I can offer three. So here's three. Yeah. And you can choose, Rob. Yep. Lionel. Oh, I like that. Clive. Yep. Or Bramwell. Bramwell's left field, isn't it? Yeah. I've never heard of Bramwell as a name. No. I'm going to rule out Bramwell, so you can go with Clive or Lionel. Well, the thing is, when you hear Lionel, what do you think of first? Richie or Messi? Uh, Lionel Messi, mm. 100%. Yeah. 
Yeah, so because I think that's a, that there's a generation gap there. People would go think of Richie before Messi. Yeah, the other one is, do you remember the, the sitcom As Time Goes By with Judy Dench and Jeffrey Palmer? <laughs> yeah. I think that he was called Lionel in that. That's the only other Lionel I, I, can I think Clive, Lionel, I, think Cli- I like Clive. What do you think of Clive Widdicombe? Yeah, Clive. Let's go with Clive. Yeah, go with Clive so we can refer to her as Clive. Okay, I'm going to go to my daughter as Clive from now on. Thank you, Julia. There are, there are Malcolms around, aren't there? Like there's um, Malcolm Tucker is a big character in the thick of it. That's Malcolm the main... Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, uh, Malcolm, the right back. The right back called Malcolm for Brazil. Just called Malcolm. I'm obsessed with Brazilian footballers that have just got boring, uh, normal names. <laughs> Fred. Fred, Malcolm. Uh, Alison. Alison. <laughs> <laughs> My mate's mum was called Alison. Well, she still is called Alison. And I just can't, I just think of her in goal. Alison's in goal. It just makes, makes me feel like we're down the park and he's brought his mum. Um, We've also got a conspiracy here, Josh. I don't know if you're aware of this. Um, this is about 5G. I'm not on board. <laughs> okay, I'll get Eamon Holmes on for a chat about it. Um, conspiracy. This is. I've listened to every episode of your podcast, but just a couple of each of these podcasts. Um, basically, they've got a screenshot of their top three podcasts they've listened to this year. So in the top three of their podcasts are Shaq Marin Annoyed, Chris and Rosie Ramsey, Catherine Ryan, um, Telling Everybody Everything, and Off Menu with Ed Gamble and James Acaster. Great podcast. I've got no beef for those guys. Good luck to them, you know. But it says, but yet yours doesn't appear in my Spotify end of year top podcast of the year. I know how important awards are to Josh, so hopefully this is a one-off <laughs> and hasn't affected your ratings. Your podcast has been a huge part of our lives during lockdown. I do think, though, that we have only started this halfway through the year. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So it's 2021. It's going to be our year, Josh, I think. Well, we made it. I was, I was happy to see that we've made it into the... I wonder if it's still on there. I clicked on iTunes. They did their top new podcasts Ooh. of 2020. Biggest new shows, that one. Biggest new shows, that one. Yeah, we're on that one, aren't we? We're on that one with Louis Theroux. Oh, can't get away. We can't shake him, can we? He's doing a second series. He's oh. doing a bloody second series. We're in trouble. Louis Theroux, us, Catherine, and others, uh, Joe Wicks, etc. Americast. But yes, uh, the dream next year, Rob, is the, that below that is the biggest shows of 2020. Yeah, but next year, fingers crossed for next year. But I think it does feel like we've done this forever, but we've literally only started this, what, in May, June time, was it? Exactly. We're already so jaded. Can you remember in August when people said you've got to change your name from lockdown whilst we're in mid-tier three? We knew. We knew. I think, yeah, we'll, we'll maybe change it next year. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's a conspiracy. I've got no problems with Spotify or any of those podcasts. I just think we've only been going six months, guys. You've got to give us 2021. And then we'll look back at the conspiracy. We'll, we'll double check it then. Yeah. Um, thank you very much for all your emails and Instagrams. Um, Rob, how can they get in touch? This is how you can get in touch. Email us hello at lockdownparenting.co.uk or tweet us at lockdownparents or Instagram lockdown underscore parenting. And you can also send us stuff P.O. Box 76748 London E99DW. And can you make sure that you uh, rate and review our podcast, please? That yeah. always helps with uh, us in the charts and stuff like don't that. We really that appreciate enough, it. Do we? We don't say that enough. We went, uh, we went top three again. Oh, yeah. We're having, we're having a whale of a time. We were still up there. It's unbelievable. What a year it's been. 
Oh, yeah. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah, I don't know. we're probably going to do an end of year New Year's Eve, New Year's Day special. And we can talk about all that stuff there. But we're very appreciative. Thank you very much for listening and hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, right now, time for uh, today's guest. Uh, we've wanted to have her on for so long. Uh, she's absolutely brilliant. So many people I've told were so excited she's on. Please welcome Philippa Parry. The podcast is basically, we started in lockdown when we were trapped indoors um, with our kids, um, lockdown parenting hell, where basically me and Josh could sort of rant a little bit about how hard it was parenting in lockdown. And um, it seemed like we weren't the only ones feeling it. And it struck a chord with a few people. Yeah. So sort of become a weird little group of people all muddling through together now. And uh, what's it going to be like for your children when they find out that uh, being with them is hell, apparently? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so grateful that you're keeping the psychotherapy profession alive. Yeah, and <laughs> exactly. You. Being with me is hell, apparently. <laughs> what we could do is we. I'm going to blame Josh for the title, and Josh is going to blame me for the title of the show. And in that way, it might, you know, shift the blame. Yeah, I, I, I would say I wouldn't want her to have uh, heard the initial ones during lockdown. But now <laughs> my parenting is is so the opposite of it was during lockdown, Philippa. That, uh, what have you learned during lockdown to help you uh, find this parenting relationship easier? I like that the psychotherapist has turned this into my therapy session <laughs> rather than uh, an interview. You can yeah. see it as that if you like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what have I learned during lockdown? Well, not to throw it back on you, Philip, but that is when my wife told me that I needed to read your book. Uh-huh, good. Let me tell you uh, the incident that led to that, okay. which was a 45-minute standoff in the hallway when my daughter wouldn't put on her coat to go out. Uh -huh. And I had decided that this was a red line that I couldn't go back on. Yeah. <laughs> this and is what you were prepared to die for. <laughs> it can really blow up, can't it? A coat in a hallway can really make or break a relationship. Uh, this was a different me, Philippa, so that, we're not judging here. But this is what I was, on that day, it was what I was prepared to die for, which now feels, <laughs> to use your words, it now feels absolutely absurd. But I, I was kind of, if she throws a mood, I can't, this was how I was feeling on the yeah. day. If she's getting angry about this, I can't just bow to this and go along no. with it. So much better if you escalate it by getting angry too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're talking to someone who's read the book, uh, Philip, but this was before the book. Josh. This was before the book. Okay, that makes <laughs> this sense. This was before the book. It'd be a um, terrible advert for the book if this was after you read the book. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I was sat in the hallway for 45 minutes, so I had time to read the book at that point. I know. <laughs> um, so that's when uh, my wife, who'd read the book, was like, do you know what would really help you would be reading this book? Because I, I think what I didn't realise is, you know, I mean, this sounds so weird, but you don't realise that that is a, a human. Do you know what I mean? I, I know that's, that is a human that is going through emotions like an adult goes through emotions. You just mm -hmm. think they're tr really trying to fuck you over regarding the coat. <laughs> I feel like I've actually just maybe hacked into your actual therapy session now, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Look, will you just forget I'm a psychotherapist? Forget that. I'm just a normal, curious person. Yes. So now, when your daughter doesn't want to put her coat on, Josh, mm. what? how do you cope with that now? Uh, 
Well, to be honest, I'd uh, probably crumble. I uh, know I would <laughs> relate to her feelings about it, and I'd talk to her about it, and I'd discuss it with her. And I, I wouldn't say that it's that would be a foolproof method because she's got an insanely high body temperature. That means she never wants to wear a coat. I learned very early on just to take the coat with me to put on when she was cold. Yes. No yeah, argument but... about coats, no. Life, <laughs> life is short, isn't it? It is. It is. I, I mean, we haven't actually, um, we've just kind of eased into the pocket. What I've realised now, Philippa, is um, if I do want therapy for free, all I need to do is do it on a podcast and let the person promote their book during it. <laughs> Except for I might start charging for podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to come out of this with a, with a loss, Philippa. No offence. <laughs> Um, so your book, the book uh, you wish your parents had read and your children will be glad that you did. Bit of a long title. Sorry it is a long that, title. Yeah. What, what do you call well, Yeah, what do you call it when you're emailing yeah. someone about it? The book. Yeah. The book. Well, <laughs> my problem was my dad didn't read a book till he was 37. So it wouldn't be the book. It would be a book that they should have read. <laughs> <laughs> so genuinely, I've texted some of my friends that are parents about uh, the fact we're interviewing you. I might as well have said to them, we're interviewing John Lennon, the way they responded, <laughs> Philip. Uh, she is an amazing human being, was one of the responses, and just, I love her in capital letters. God, this so, is amazing. I'm going to rub this all over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and we, asked, we asked on Instagram for loads of questions. We've been inundated. So it's, you're proving to be quite a popular book in Philippa. So no pressure, but we're very excited okay. to have you on. Okay. Let's, let's rock it then. So, so what's your setup then? What's your setup at home? How old are you? My setup at home is, that it's just me and my husband looking at each other across the sofa, thinking, why did she leave home so young? She's only 28. <laughs> We do wrong. Why doesn't she want to live with us? <laughs> we we have one kid, um, and so she's grown up and moved out. Did she move out at twenty eight, or did she move out a young? No, she moved out at twenty one. Yeah, I think that's quite a good age. Or would you rather she stayed longer? Um, I'd rather that she lived with me forever and became my carer. Yeah, I'd like. That. <laughs> Um, and with, with your book, this book's really sort of resonated with parents and stuff. And it's, a, it's a like, you know, in sort of, obviously you need to read the whole book, but breaking it down, it's more like engaging with your child on a human emotional level of why they're feeling like that, rather than just like, oh, stop annoying me, I'm trying to get on with my life type of thing. Obviously, I'm really breaking this down into layman's terms. But would you say that you're better at telling people how to implement that than you are implementing it yourself? Or do you really, did you really try and approach parenting like that as you were doing it? I lived the book... Um... I've been writing the book for about the last 60 years because, <laughs> yeah. because you know, when my parents started, um, you know, not taking my feelings into consideration and then being a psychotherapist for a long time, it, it, you get to realise that the adults are actually still the children, the adults that you have as your patients, your clients, so they're still the children. Mm. And I listened to them about what it was like for them growing up. And it's not like, uh, they had terrible toxic parents or anything. They just had parents that didn't realise, uh, like Josh said earlier on, that this is a human, not yeah. an it. You know, this, this is a person to have a relationship with, you know, from a baby to a, an adult. They are still a person. And I just wanted to get that across. So I wrote a book about it. 
was there a moment where that clicked for you or like you say was it always there from when you was little like did you go ah oh, this is why this is why that's happening but was it was it a slow process rather than a? it was, it was always there yeah. i think it was from, there from about the age of seven yeah. <laughs> but of course i had to train as a psychotherapist practice as a psychotherapist before i was ready to write it in the book you talk a lot about what you call rupture and repair when I read one of the things I was worried about reading it is I think that I'd already kind of messed up too much. Do you know what I mean? I, I was I was thinking like, oh God, this is going to tell me that yeah, like finding Christianity in prison. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's not something people should worry about, is it? No, it's never too late because an, a relationship is an ongoing thing. And we tend to think of, um, if you think of parenting as a task rather than a relationship, then you think in terms of I've blown it or I've nailed it. And I don't mm. think that's particularly helpful because parenting is a relationship foremost. I know there are chores attached, but it's important to think of your child as a person and not a chore. Yeah, because I think people make that mistake of I oh, just what you want your kids to be happy. I want my kids to be happy, and then my mum always used to say, "Oh, you're only as happy as your unhappiest child," which is probably one of the bleakest things you can hear from your own mother. <laughs> which I'm sure you've got a lot to say about. <laughs> That's put quite a pre pressure on you to always be happy. Yeah, so would you explain you my that, life. <laughs> that pressure always to be happy. Yeah, I don't want to be the one letting down the side, looking at my brothers, going, "Come on, guys." <laughs> that pressure always to be happy it, yeah. you can feel unacceptable when you've got other moods like despair or sadness or yes. anger so and then because you're not allowed to be despairing or angry uh, you don't learn how to manage those feelings because mm. you're not allowed to have them so they tend to get repressed and then yeah. more work for therapists later yeah. on as we yeah, learn how to cope with these feelings, yeah. So my idea is that parents learn to hold and contain and accept every single feeling that a child might have, which paradoxically increases their capacity for happiness. Yes, because they can cope with it and then bounce back, as it were. Because if if you think it's okay, if it's okay to be sad, you can work yeah. through your sadness then you can have a laugh but if it's not okay to be sad you tend to hold on to it and not yeah. move on in the same way sometimes i find it's turned into my therapy session where if you're if you're delivered some sort of news it's quite like uh, uh, planning permission or something or something like annoying little thing like that where you want something to happen then a letter comes through and go no you can't do that and that sort of panic and anxiety comes in as it would because you go oh we can't do a thing we want to do and yeah. I think sometimes you rather than going okay well that's you know and then have the emotion of being frustrated disappointed a little bit annoyed you should be able to sit on that emotion and let it breathe rather than going like repress it and go no I'll sort this out and I'm trying to you don't always have to react upon something to change what's going to happen you can sort of sit with it if you get bad news mm. like you, know, you don't get your planning permission or your dog dies or something terrible like yeah. that it's appropriate to be sad. Yes, that is the right emotion. Yeah, to be sad for the dog or angry for the planning permission. After all, you paid a planning consultant for God's sake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have you been refused planning permission, Rob, or was that no, just- No, I haven't, but I'm, I was literally looking out the window and I saw an extension. That's why I said planning <laughs> permission. <laughs>
but um, but yeah, I think that's the thing about trying to make your kids happy all the time. And it's like, you know, going to work, like I, I saw that in your, the new chapter in the paperback about if you're going to work and the kids are upset that you're going to work, um, you like you feel guilty that they're sad, but then it's that kind of thing. Well, they will have to miss people now and again as they yeah. grow up and stuff. And I, I always try and say, if I'm going to work, I'll, I'll say, why are you going to work? Because like, well, one, you need to you need money to sort of live, and also I enjoy it. I like work. I yeah. don't work to be this big grey horrible thing of they yeah. steal your dad and it's awful. I go look, well, I need to go so we could go on holiday, but also I really enjoy it. And if you're you know lucky, you could have a job where you enjoy to go to. And I think rather than making it like a negative place, it's sort of there's positive. And you can also say, yeah, of course you're sad. I'm going. I'm very flattered that you think of me in those terms. Or you know, yeah, yeah you're going to be sad for a while, but mummy, um, I notice has got the leg out out so yeah. you're gonna be okay and I, I know you're, you're sad at the moment and that's that's fine that's literally work though now it's just going upstairs to a podcast it's not got the same you know nine to five commuting <laughs> i think that's even i think that's harder for kids when you're in the house and you're not playing with them or being with them because you're doing your zoom or whatever it is and um i think that's not so easy for the kid to understand as when you go out. I had I had the sort of very childish feeling at the beginning of the first lockdown when my daughter did my shopping for me, left it on the step, rang the bell and then stood back from the step as though we both had leprosy. And uh, I said, won't you come in? And she said, Mum, you know, I can't come in. It's not the rules, you know, sort of thing. So I went, oh, thank you for the shopping and, and took it in. And then I burst into tears because yeah. I knew what the rules were. I knew cognitively that she couldn't come in, but my body didn't understand. Now yeah. I'm 63, so really I should have got over this by now. But imagine if you're seven or something and you say, I'm going to go and work in the spare room. You can't come in. Yeah. I think it will feel a bit like you might understand that you've got to do a podcast, but I think your body cannot catch up with that. There's a sort of mind-body dissonance. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we all feel it with these weird rules that our, our bodies aren't used to. And so expect more crying is what I'm saying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we had quite an interesting kind of um, experience recently where we got rid of the dummy with my daughter. Her teeth were being pushed forward by it the milk teeth and anyway it's I, do you know what i, lo this, I like this attitude philippa I, i'm the one who's i'm the one who's bloody well enacting the book and rob's the one who's coming across as a great parent i don't know how this has happened this is unbelievable i i've got a theory about why i think there's a class difference sometimes with parenting where when you're a bit, a bit more middle class or and I, you know I've, I've become middle class now through uh, my life but like I've still got them sort of semi-working class values where when you're middle class you do have more opportunities to be at home so like sometimes work can be a choice where when you're working class it is like you have to go to work because you need that money so you, there's no that allowance to feel that yeah. guilt to go oh actually I don't really need to go in for this meeting I could get my assistant to go Oh, and then, yeah. whereas if you are like going to drive a taxi, you're like, I've got to drive that taxi because I get that money today that we need to pay the bills. So I do think sometimes with that thing of like being a bit harsher towards your kids in a way of going, well, no, I've got to go. It, you, you sort of, you haven't got much choice to live. I don't know if that plays a part, Philippa. Well, the thing is about that is that we all have limits and we have boundaries. Like the limit in that case is, no, I've got to go and drive my taxi. But personally, I'd get my assistant to drive the taxi, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. so you, have to go, you have to go and drive the taxi. 
but sometimes you also have to go and do something because it's fun not yes. because you mm. have to. it's the same thing you have to put down a boundary before you reach your limit the taxi driver the limit is we will starve unless i go out to work mm. uh, for you it might be i will implode unless i make a podcast with josh because that's <laughs> fun and i need to yeah. do it yeah okay so you've still got the limit so you put the boundary down so say i'm sorry you're unhappy and i'm going to go and do this thing i'm not about being lax i'm about mm. setting your boundary but it's really important when you set your boundary that you don't make up a reason that you tell the truth and you tell the truth from an eye perspective like I really like you saying, I go to work because it's fun. Mm. And I'm sorry if you don't like it, but I like enjoying myself. Rather than, I go to work so you can have some lovely clothes and toys. Yeah. You know, yeah. that is sort of like, you know, don't pull the wool over the right like master that. in it. Well, don't, yeah, I don't fucking want this coat on anyway. I'm too hot. <laughs> it's, it's gaslighting, isn't it? It's sort of like trying to guilt trip them into letting you go to work. No, they're going to have feelings about it. And that is fine. Likewise, with Josh and his dummy, as long as he doesn't say you've got to lose the dummy because your teeth are going to go weird, as long as you say, I'm afraid you have to take the dummy from you because otherwise I'm really worried about my middle class credentials. <laughs> <laughs> I can't go to Victoria Park with you in the dummy because I'm I not can't go to Victoria Park with, with you in the dummy in, ca in case Victoria and uh, David come by with little baby Barbara, who hasn't had a dummy for ages. You know, <laughs> it's gonna be competitive parenting. And yeah. you know, you can't, I, d I don't want to, to look like a fool. So because I am a fool, I'm taking away your dummy, basically. <laughs> if you don't pretend it's for her sake, because she knows she loves her dummy, and you say it's for my sake, it's because I can't stand the dummy anymore. Mm then I think it's it's fair. Then she knows you're the crazy one and that's good. I think she's fully aware of that. She worked that out the day I had a 45 minute standoff over a coat. That, that she's, uh, she's very clear on well, that. You used a dummy fairy and that she's a big girl now type of technique. Well, no, no, I didn't. I didn't. I changed to, I, this was why I brought it up. I enacted what I would describe as some Philippa Perry style <laughs> parenting. And I was very pleased tell, tell with myself. Me what, <laughs> tell me what that is, Josh. Yeah. So, so <laughs> we initially. This is such like teacher's pet. I feel like we're. At, I know, but I, I'm not getting anywhere with it, Rob. I'm not getting anywhere. <laughs> I've done. I've read the book, and this is my exam, and now I'm failing my exam, and I can't believe it, Rob. Calm it's... down. Breathe. <laughs> Tell me all about it. Breathe. Take a moment, Josh. It's I can't do okay. it. I'm just going to leave the Zoom call. It's too much pressure. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, she's obsessed with being a big girl. And if you call her small, she doesn't like it, right? And so yeah. with the dummy thing, we, we'd be like, oh, you're doing, you know, she, she was doing very well. And, you know, you're like, you're a big girl. You're doing so well, all that. And actually what happened then was she woke up in the night without it at 4 a.m. We went into her and she was upset. And we were like, why are you upset? And she said, I can't tell you. And we were like, is it because of the dummy? And we realized we hadn't engaged with the emotion that she's missing this dummy. Aww. So we then engaged with it and we were like, we know it's tough, you know, we've been through this ourselves. Like her mum remembers the experience herself. Oh God. Um, and yeah, so um, so you probably need therapy for her as well. But um, 
<laughs> get a family right. Yeah, we'll get a family right. But um, once we engaged with her about it and engaged with the sadness of it, it just totally opened up and it was a completely different experience. Oh, uh, yeah. So I was just using that as an example. But Philippa, I'm not going to lie. Philippa, all he wanted I, you to go, well done, Josh. But that now, was the right but thing now to do. I'm not going to lie. I'm going <laughs> to give her the, the dummy back because I've been shamed into it by you. No, don't do that because you don't want her to have it. You've put down your boundary and you've done the right thing of comforting her in her grief of doing without it. So I think you're doing just fine. That's just all you want to, Philippa. Thank you. Um, you're doing just fine. She's allowed to have her sad feelings about it. And yeah. she, there was something she couldn't tell you about because she felt she had to be a certain way to get your approval. And you've gone through that. She can be anything she likes. And you're still going to approve of her. Now, Philip, but do you find that sometimes, though, that the danger is people overcompensate and go too far the other way? If their parents parented in a certain way, they sort of just immediately do the opposite in a sort of act of rebellion. Yeah. What I think you're talking about is that if you're brought up very strict, hmm. do you go too far and go lax? And this does happen. And what tends to happen with parents who are reluctant to put down any boundaries at all is that, of course, they reach their limit and then lose it. It's yeah. very sad. So we've, we've all got buttons and we're all capable of, of getting them pushed. So I think every parent should put down a boundary before they're in danger of having these buttons pushed. And I'm yeah. not saying where that should be. Probably coat, isn't it? That's where the boundary should be, isn't it? <laughs> I'm like short, short tempered. So when my kid poor kid said i want my sauce and my spaghetti separate i said oh that's tough because i made a pasta bake and it's all in one go and she's well i'm not eating it i go oh dear oh, you're gonna be quite hungry later but okay and that's what i was like and mm. soon enough she'd eat the sauce and the pasta i mean i was yeah. quite sympathetic about it but i cannot be asked to cook separate meals for everyone i'm sorry that is my limit so the boundary I put down is like, it's pasta bake or nothing. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, our, <laughs> our daughter was very funny of what she ate, but we never made it into to a big thing. It was like, okay, well, that's dinner. You either have it or you don't. And then eventually yeah. she did start eating bits. And then when she went to school, she has like school dinner. She's only five, but has school dinners at lunchtime. And then she'd come yeah. home the other day and she's been eating lamb. And she was like, oh, oh, do you know what? Sausages are lovely with potatoes and bread because all her friends are eating it. So it was more yeah. almost like a power play of not, wanting to eat and then actually yeah. she was getting on with it fine but we know we didn't force her to do it, it was like well that's there you either have it or you don't yeah. it's quite embarrassing um when when your kid goes to somebody else's house say and um i was picking up a uh, flow from a play date once and i said everything okay you know when i picked her up she said when i asked her if she wanted broccoli she replied can i just have it blanched please <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that happened is a bit similar, but one we've got a fairly decent sized garden, nothing too spectacular, but my mum and dad's house, very small. The garden, it's like tiny, it's sort of really small, that really small garden, quite similar to one I grew up in. And my mum said to her, do you want to go into the garden? And then they went and stood in the garden. And then my daughter said, Nanny, where's the garden? <laughs> and then my mum was like, it's here, you little bitch. This is, this is all we've got. So she said she's going to take her over the park next time and go, this is my garden, actually. I, was, I got confused. This is the garden. We, um, I, we got some questions from listeners and from fans, uh, yeah. Philippa. Before that, I just wanted, I wanted to do a quick uh, quiz question for Rob based okay. on your book. 
which is uh, you talk about the three times, I mean, I'm showing myself in such a bad light here. Once again, I'm, it's, it's going to show me in a bad light. Well, you talk about the three no, types of art. consciousness is something we're going to work on. Yeah, he's got no, he doesn't back himself enough, does he, Philippa? You know what I mean, he's too modest. He's trying to mock himself before we get in there, I think. And then you're you prejudging know, the question. Mocking, that's what it is. Sorry, Josh, carry on. <laughs> I, be aware, I can hear you both when you're having a conversation <laughs> oh, without me. Sorry. It's really, it feels really powerful, double teaming someone with a psychotherapist. I've never felt so secure in an argument. Um, I'm getting you later, Rob. I know. There's a lot going <laughs> on here. There's a lot happening here. So there's, you talk about the three types of uh, arguing that parents can do between themselves. And I wanted Rob to guess which one I read and went, oh my God, that is exactly what I do. <laughs> okay, good fun. Okay, the three awesome. arguing styles. So the first one you call look squirrel yes this is the distracting arguing style so when your wife comes in and goes christ you've been here all day and you haven't done the washing up you go oh, look there's a squirrel rather yeah. than you know addressing the um the issue the, yeah the issue we call that the distractor style or yeah. look squirrel indeed yeah i love that style that's my favorite <laughs> next uh there is the uh being a martyr yeah, being a martyr, sort of like, oh, I see you haven't done the washing up. Oh, well, I'll do it, I suppose. <laughs> and then the third one, I don't think you've given it a title, but if you could describe the third one. Well, there's an, the other one is when you go, you filthy pig, you just go straight into attack mode. So yeah. you come in, see the washing up hasn't been done. You, you, you filthy pig, you're disgusting. You repulse me with your stuck-on cereal <laughs> on this bowl. Yeah. That's a, a psychic zooming with my wife at the moment. She's very much in that category. <laughs> uh, would you like to both guess which of those I felt I was? And it was a very confronting paragraph to read. I, I don't know you very well, Josh. I, I would be hesitant to put you in a little box there. Well, I know Josh doesn't like conflict, but I also know he has very strong opinions on stuff. So I don't think you'd be full distraction. I think you might be a bit martyry and you're sort of a little bit passive aggressive with it. So you've made your point, but not forcefully. Do you know what? You are correct. I realised <laughs> during lockdown, I'd become the full, full martyr argument. I... Oh. oh, that's the most, I find that the worst because at least the full on one, you know where you stand. Where in my house, it's like, fucking hell, Lou, what have you done to that bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't done the washing up since. I haven't, done, I haven't martyred myself once since uh, I read that. Oh, 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 uh. <laughs> No, that was something that really spoke You're to me. You're on cooperation and compromise now, aren't you? Yes, yeah. yes. Oh, haven't had good. an argument since. I would love to be able that's to say good. that, but it's not true. Sometimes, like you say, you need to set boundaries and this is what we do. And then you decide on those boundaries and then talk your child through the re sort of reason, don't have to justify it, but explain why that's happening. But the, the, the reason you talk your child through though, it's really important that that is an I statement. Yes. So um, it's not, don't run into the road, it's dangerous. It's don't run into the road because it terrifies me. Yes. You do it as an I statement. You define yourself rather than the child or even the situation. I mean, sometimes you define the situation, but normally yeah. define yourself, talk about your own feelings around it. like. I, I'll feel worried if you go out in the rain without an umbrella because I'm worried you'll get cold. So humour me and take your umbrella. Yeah. Uh, so you think that's the best approach, doing it like that? No, that is the best approach. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, 
So, so for, exa- for example, when um, I walk my daughter to school, okay, on a scooter, she goes on a scooter and she's alongside me on the scooter. And then in the school grounds, there's like these little slopes that come out of sort of classrooms down and she wants to go down the slope on her scooter, okay? Which, and right. I, I, my thoughts is, um, I don't really want her doing that one because there's cars parked there, there's other people walking down this path. And I sort of think, from a respect point of view, you're in the school gates now, let's use the scooter as a, a way to get to school, but it's not a park to play in. It's uh, the school grounds, okay? Which I don't know if that, so I don't know. So that's what I've decided upon in my head. And then to be fair, she doesn't really suggest the, the slope on her own. It's when there's like, other kids there to start doing it. And I'll say, no, let's not go down the slope because we're going to school today. And if you want to, you know, go down slopes or go fast on your scooter, we'll go to the park at the weekend. We can put your helmet on and then you can go and we'll find some slopes and we'll play. But now we're on the way to school. That's, that's the sort of position I've got myself in. But I don't know now. I'm thinking, am I being too harsh or that boring? You're not being too harsh at all. You're no. not being too harsh. But what you're doing is giving her a reason that isn't quite the reason. It's sort of like, basically, I don't want you playing on the slope with your scooter because it makes me uncomfortable. That's it. Why yeah. does it make you uncomfortable? Then you can say those rules. But don't leave yourself out of that equation. Yes. Because she will be able to empathise with feeling uncomfortable or feeling scared. Yeah. She will argue, no, it's fine. Look, you know, Macy and Pacey are, are, are going on the slopes yeah. and, and, and going between the cars. And you can say, well, they're making me uncomfortable too. And I don't want you to make me uncomfortable as well. Yeah. So bring it back to your own feelings. Bring it back to your own feelings each time. Yeah. Because it's so much easier to hear. And also, yeah. there's no arguing with that. If you feel uncomfortable with her mucking about in the schoolyard on the scooter, that's reason enough. Yeah. Because you feel uncomfortable. And then she'll learn, too, to talk about her own feelings because you'll give her that model. Yeah. So when you say, come on, let's go to this party or whatever, she'll say, no, I, I, I feel uncomfortable doing that. And then you can say, why? And you said, because, you know, that boy bullies me or whatever it yeah. is. Okay. It's like any relationship, honesty is key, isn't it? The same way as like in a marriage, honesty for me is like such an important part of it where everyone knows where they stand. And it's the yeah. same thing if you're fostering that relationship with your kid. It's been it's like... I don't want you to go down that slope because I'm, you know, I'm comfortable with you doing it because you haven't got the helmet on. You might slip, crack your head open, and I've got a really busy day. So if we were in A and E all day, this is going to be a disaster for both of us. <laughs> I think you can just too go, much. You can just stay with no because I'm a scaredy cat. Rather than tell her she's going to crack her head open because yeah. I reckon she can manage that slope just fine, even without a helmet. Yeah. <laughs> you, on the other hand, are a bit scared. That's fine. Only fear. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Don't tell us going to crack a helmet. No, no, to be fair, it's not even, it's not, it's not even the slope's dangerous. It's more like it's, it's like, I, from my own point of view, it's like, if you go on the school grounds, you should be using school to get to school, not to be yeah, playing around. I know around. you have a lot of reasons for it, but we'll just stick with you being uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. I just am uncomfortable. That's going to be my new thing. I don't want to do that. Well, I'm, I'm Lou goes, we're going to go around my mum and dad's for dinner. No, I'm uncomfortable with that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, Philip said I don't really need to explain, but I can give you a long list. But I just, I'm just a, bit un- just a bit uncomfortable with that idea. Is that okay? Like, I'd like to negotiate this because I don't feel like going round because um, they're too posh for me and I feel inferior. And then yeah, yeah. there. Gosh, she's really got you there, Rob. That's absolutely bullseye. Oh, yeah. Philip has got my number. I'm sorry. I, that was a guess. I had no idea it was bullseye. I'm so, so sorry. Oh, no. Straight, straight on the 50-pointer there. Um, so this is a question from uh, my friend Aoife, 
who has a four-year-old called Cora. She says, should I stay out of her friendship dynamics, the friendship dynamics of an insane insane four-year-olds? They're all endlessly being nice to, then suddenly rejecting each other. And it's very hard to see it when it's your own kid. The kids themselves never seem to give a shit. So should you just not bring it up with them afterwards unless they mention it? I think if they mention it, then you can, if your kid's unhappy because their best friend stopped talking to them and oh my God, that is the end of your world. That is a big deal. Imagine, mm. imagine yeah. if Rob stopped talking to you, Josh, you'd be really hurt, wouldn't you? I mean, to be the man I talk, it's just a probability that I will talk at him at some point. <laughs> um, so I believe that your child led on this, but that means if your child looks unhappy but hasn't brought it up, you can say, what's up? And if they say, yeah. Sophia isn't talking to me anymore, rather than, right, I'm going to go and sort this out with Sophia's yeah. mum. Because that's my initial, my, I, I go into sort of like rage. That actually doesn't help. What helps yeah. is if you ask the kid, what are you going to do about this? What, what do you think we can do or you can do? She said, well, I'll be sad for a while, but I suppose I won't be sad forever. You go, Yay! Or they'll say, I suppose I could play with Josh instead. You go, yes, I know he's at work at the moment. I'm sure that'll be fine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose also as well that I've noticed as well is when you say, oh, we're doing this, we're doing that. And they ask, can I do this or do that? Whatever it is. And you go, oh, no, we're not doing that. And they'll go, well, insert name. Well, you know, um, Simon's allowed to do that. But, but at the moment, our response is, well, I don't, I don't care what Simon does. I think other than that, you could say, well, Simon's daddy probably doesn't mind if he breaks his skull in half, but I really care about yours. No, that would, yeah. that would be evil. That, it's just, that'd be too aggressive. Yeah, no, that, would be, <laughs> that would be manipulative. Just yeah. keep it honest. Like, well, Simon's dad's got more children. He can probably afford to lose one. What, <laughs> that, whatever yeah. it is. Um, do you want some questions from uh, our Instagram followers and listeners? Uh, I love that. Yeah, this one, oh, this one made me laugh. Is it acceptable to stick your finger up at your kid behind their back? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because <laughs> I, I think that's not going to solve their problem, is it? I think the trouble is, is if you go like that, I mean, I'm sticking my finger in the air, behind your yeah. kid's back, what you're not doing is you're not going, what is the child triggering in me? Why am I mm. angry? What was I like at his age? Uh, oh, I remember, I, unless I finished my meal, I, I got my knuckles wrapped. So I am associating not finishing my food with humiliation. This is why I feel unreasonably angry when they leave a bit of food or or whatever it is. Because what makes our kids angry is usually some humiliation or or sadness that we suffered at their age. And rather than revisit that, because we don't want to feel that again, we just get angry with the kid. So I think when you're angry with your kid, the thing is to be curious about why this is triggering for you. And once you've got the hang of that, then you won't be triggered so much because quite often the trigger belongs in the past and not the present. Yeah. I had that. I found that what was really triggering me, and I don't know why, which what I was finding frustrating was, was my daughter wouldn't, when she found 
drawing something difficult or she felt or she went through a stage basically where because she wasn't able to draw what she wanted to she never wanted to do it and she just asked you to do the drawing for her and I was like what why is this such a trigger why is this such a big trigger for me and I was talking to my wife about it because obviously she she was fine with it as you would be but there was something in me where I was like this, there's something here about this in me that so what was I find really difficult. I don't know. Like, I, I think it might be that part of my approach to life is that I really try and really push myself to do stuff and, like, really try and challenge myself and stuff. And I don't know. What happened to you when you were small and you said, I can't do this? I don't know, because I was trying to think that. When I read in the book, I was like, I can't think what that is. I mean, I had a similar thing that when my daughter was sort of learning how to tie shoelaces and she couldn't do it, I felt this anger come up in me and I wanted to say, just let me do that. You know, I just wanted to grab the yeah. shoe off her and do it. And I just felt furious and really impatient. And I thought, whoa, what's this about? Yeah. And yeah. when I look back on it, I realized that that's exactly what my father did to me. When I couldn't do my shoes up, he got so bored of waiting for me. He just said, oh, well, let me do it like that. And that was deeply humiliating. And I mm. think sometimes we can find our child's incompetence, you know, because they, they can't handle a pencil properly or they can't do up their shoelaces. Really frustrating because it reminds us of our own incompetence when we were that age. And when your older sister can do it and your parents can do it and you still can't tie your shoelaces up or whatever it is or draw the picture, it can. Those feelings were everything to us at the time. I mean, now if you can't do something, you're not flooded with humiliation. You just say, teach me how to do this again. But then yeah. you might have been. Yeah. And we're, we, we forget that we're now adults and we can cope with a bit of humiliation or we can cope even with remembering it. But our unconscious selves feels like it will take us right back down to when we were super humiliated or felt terribly incompetent or whatever it was. And that's why we have this little rage that comes up because it protects us from feeling that humiliation. So I'm guessing you got cross when she said, draw me a car or whatever it was, because your body, even if you can't remember, your body remembers not being able to draw a car and how frustrating or humiliating or incompetent yeah. feeling that made you feel. I've never been good at drawing, so there's every chance. <laughs> it's, it's stuck with you. You forget those moments because you become an adult and yeah. you just tie your shoes without thinking. Yeah. Yeah, it's only when you're confronted with the person you're teaching the world that you go, comes, oh yeah, that was a, yeah, it comes flooding back. And that, I find that with little yeah. open, opens, tiny little things. Yeah. That, I think everyone has buried at certain points and, you know, like, for example, scooters. My daughter's got a three-wheeled scooter. And then, you know, some kids are age on a two-wheeled one or a three-wheeled one. And we've just got her. She's not as confident on it. And then we've just got her the bigger version of the three-wheeled scooter so it's more stable because yeah. she's not very confident on bikes and stuff like that. And we're like, oh, no, we're not going to get in this sort of arms race of a kid being able to <laughs> ride a bike. Who gives a shit? You know what I mean? So it yeah. needs to be, if she's happy and confident and is going to enjoy that scooter, that's way more important than... But at that age, she should be doing that. Or at that age, she should be drawing a car. At that age, she should be tying her laces. But you feel it. You feel it coming yeah. up in you. I wish it was on the two-wheeler. Because I've done bits of therapy as well, like just trying to... Not even about my kids, just about the way I approach work yeah. and 
poverty mindset and that kind of stuff have not and I'm sort of know my value enough so I'm not just thinking it's like imposter syndrome and stuff like that so I've done stuff like that and worked on me a little bit where I feel this little energy that just builds this rush of red that comes over me if it's like something and then I, I what I've learned to do and, I, and I've transferred that to the kids is sit with the feeling and because the feeling's not fact it's not what's happening it's just how your body feels at that moment and just sit on it but before I wouldn't sit on it I'd go right how can I solve this how can I yeah. change this how can but now I'm learning to just sit on it more and I find that helps me and I do mindfulness breathing and stuff and I've started with the girls trying to get them to sort of breathe a little bit just sit with it and I, and I think that your first thought isn't always your best no. thought of that situation. It's better to sit on it and just hold that feeling. And, and, and so what does it matter if they're doing that before another kid or after? As long as they're happy and enjoying the time on the scooter, yeah. that's the main thing, you know, but it's, it's learning that process. It's like there's almost a bit of you that's, you know, your inner four-year-old is a bit merged with her and what you yeah. felt at her age can come flooding up and we know yeah. when we're being triggered by the past because you do get like you said this sort of sudden little charge of emotion yeah what's that about and your idea of sitting with it is just fine and very good oh thanks <laughs> philippa well i think maybe growing up i can imagine someone going you can't ride a bike yet you know learn to ride a bike well yeah, i could ride a bike at your age yeah, i don't know if someone said that to me in. but it might have been in there you know yeah and stuff like that but um yeah i think that's to say as you grow with your child all those little things come back to you. i remember trying to have a shave for the first time and i remember getting to like a razor and doing it and i cut my lip a bit and i can still now vividly remember coming because i've got four brothers sitting in the front room and i was and i was sort of sitting like that to like cover the cuts i couldn't put tissue because i didn't want anyone to know that yeah. i shaved because i didn't really need to and if you say that to four boys yeah. and they're like wanker thought we had a beard you haven't got a beard you little prick and it would be that so i remember sitting there and i can still vividly remember that little mo moment and it's different that you know so i think it does take you back to moments where yeah. you felt vulnerable and you want to you want to try and make it better for your kid but actually you can sometimes make it worse by just putting the same pressure on them that you had on luckily you. rob you've got two girls so you're not going to have to revisit the shaving nightmare <laughs> well, <laughs> that, that... you never know, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> silent night is a new british crime thriller out now on all digitals i haven't got a choice they're blackmailing me they only take out three brothers three rings this money could set up daisy for life bang 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 should be easy for a man in our business. Marky, if my family goes down, it won't be the only one. They won't stop contacting you. They want you, they'll just keep going. You know as well as I do, Mark. This won't end well. Tell me, when did killing people become so hard, Marky? If I could give her one good Christmas, I'd die a happy man. Rent or buy on demand, iTunes, Amazon, Sky, Virgin, Rakuten, Google, and PlayStation. And in supermarkets on DVD 28th of December. Get your copy now. Oh, I've got one here quickly from Red Fox Jody. How nine-month-old girl Robin keeps chewing and eating cardboard boxes. How do we stop this? I mean, that's a quick one. Just don't put boxes near her. You got it, Rob. <laughs> Just take the cardboard boxes away. <laughs> I don't want to answer for you, Philippa, but I think that's uh, just keep her away from cardboard boxes. <laughs> what food is a bit like cardboard box? It's sort of like a, like a, a rusk. Rusk. Like, yeah. It's the great phrase. Boxes aren't for eating. Rusks are for eating. So you swap one for the other or hide all cardboard box. Or just give them a plastic box and go, good luck with that. <laughs> good luck with that, gummies. Uh, okay. 
This is from Emily. So Emily's got two children. Uh, how do you be patient and child-led when you have two children wanting something different at the same time? Okay, I am not child-led. I am relationship-led. It's a key difference. I'm relation So you've got one kid that wants to go to the park and one kid that wants to go to the swimming pool, right? Yeah. So we just sit everybody down or whatever we're doing. Oh, we have a problem. Billy wants to go to the park. Laurie wants to go to John Lewis or whatever it is. Okay. Yeah. And mummy wants to go to Sainsbury's. So some people are not going to get what they want. So somebody's going to be sad and someone's going to be happy. Well, I think we're going to Sainsbury's and I'm very sorry, kids, you're not getting your own way. <laughs> or if one wants one thing and one wants the other, this isn't a battle where somebody wins and somebody loses. So how can we all win? And brainstorm with the children. We're not going to play winners and losers. So how can we all win? Mm. Maybe we can find a third activity that's a compromise or something, you know. But bring them all in with the process, always. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, get them to talk about how they feel. I mean, what I usually do in that situation, because believe it or not, it still happens that my husband wants one thing and my, and my child wants another. And they're both very entrenched in their position and they're looking for me to solve it out as though they're a couple of siblings. I'm like, I'm torn in bloody half. <laughs> and um, I just say this is a problem. And they, they do come to a compromise. I mean... He's 60 now, so he's getting very mature at this sort of yeah. thing. <laughs> with, with the Sainsbury's thing, though, as well, if you, like, you know, the kids want to go to two separate places and you want to go to the, the shops and go to Sainsbury's. Like, uh, when you say that, you go, oh, this is what we're doing, you're, you're going to be upset, but this is what we're doing. That doesn't mean to say the kids are going to go, oh, OK, then they may kick off and they may have a meltdown, but then they'll learn from that because that's just what happens. Well, you know, I don't know if they'll learn from it or not, but... Um... If they have a meltdown, we go, oh, it feels so bad right now, doesn't it, that I'm going to Sainsbury's and not the park. And, you know, we just have a three-way cuddle at that point. Yeah. Because you're not doing anything awful. You're just going to different shops. It's just more of a power play sometimes. I once had, uh, my daughter was having such a meltdown in uh, in the Sainsbury's once. I, I think it was because I wouldn't let her eat the grapes that weren't washed. I can't remember what it was, but I... <laughs> You, you, just, you pick your boundary and it was a dirty grape. <laughs> and I just, uh, I just said, oh, I can't be bothered. And I left the whole sh hot, full trolley and walked out of the shop. With oh, the wow. Child. I don't know why I wasn't done for abducting children because I had her under my arm and every limb was sort of going in all directions. <laughs> so at, at that point, Philippa, how was you feeling though? Because obviously that would, is that something you'd recommend? I was feeling a bit mortified because I realised that I'd forgotten to give her a nap and she was overtired. So it was all my fault. So I was feeling a little bit mortified. But yeah. then we had a great takeaway dinner. So that was nice. Is that something you think there was a anomaly where it didn't because you didn't give her the nap it sort of went a bit sideways or is that a fair way to handle that situation if a kid has a meltdown would you just take about the shop or should no, you know i wouldn't prescribe anything it's just that mm. if a kid has a meltdown i'd say be kind don't be oppositional if the kid's yeah. having any feelings in fact be kind don't be oppositional because if the kid says i don't want to put my coat on if you go, you really don't want to put your coat on. And here am I worried that you're going to get cold. Okay, I'll tell you what, we'll go out and I'll hold the coat. And if you want it, you can put it on. You know, rather than getting in a fight. Yeah. 
You're yeah. just a waste of time. Yeah. So I feel like it's like steering into the skid. When you're before we had ABS brakes, if you <laughs> got on an ice patch and you started to go towards the wall, your instinct is to get the steering wheel and go in the opposite direction. But the momentum of the car is still taking you to the wall. So it doesn't work. Mm. But if you steer into the skid, then you can drive out of the skid because the wheels are going in the direction of motion. So when you turn them, they go. And that's the same with the tantrum or feelings or yeah. anything. Go with it so you can steer out of it. Uh, obviously, that example with the coat, when you were saying like their body temperature is different and maybe they genuinely don't want to wear the coat because it will be too hot and stuffy for them and they're running around at park. But there must be examples where sometimes that can just be used as a get my own way almost sort of power play. And but then why that... would you be having power plays unless you've taught them how to have power plays? That's the cultural thing that you learn a power play. It's not something that's in your instinct. It's something they've seen within the, in the household. Or had put on them, yeah. Okay. So when you want to get your way with your kid because you think they can't get their own way, you are actually teaching them how to be stubborn and it will come right back at you. When you are thoughtful, kind, empathetic, take your time, you'll get that back at you. She did go to Sainsbury's and get my shopping, even if she wouldn't break the rules and come into the house. She's nice, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and and was, if she wasn't nice, she would have given you a cuddle because that would be the worst thing she could yeah, have done. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we always ask this question at the end of the podcast about if there's anything that frustrates you about your partner and their parenting that um, you have never said to them because it will cause a row, but it's something, it's a fair comment. And if they were to listen to the podcast and pick up on it, they would go, oh yeah, that is fair. I'll stop doing that. Is there anything that you'd like to get off your chest now that you've not been able to about the way your, 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 your husband parents? No. <laughs> no, I think it's nothing. I mean, after being in therapy for about 25 years myself and uh, having loads of other people in therapy with me for about 30 years, you'd think, wouldn't you, that I'd be able to talk to my husband about something that bothers me. And um, I think I have, and I think we're good. I'm so sorry, yeah. I haven't got anything for them. Well, no, that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's the dream. That's why you can write this book, because you, are, you aren't harbouring anger over tea towels or muslins being left in a drawer or something. It's hard to disagree with a psychotherapist that's written a book about parenting. Like, actually, I've got an idea. <laughs> you, know. you say what your feeling is, and you, and you say why, and, and then you say what you want. So, a complaint with a recommendation. <laughs> Oh wow! I tell you what, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna adopt complaint with recommendation uh, with Louise this week, and then report back. Like when you put a boundary down with a child, make it into a nice statement. Don't say you yeah. are ridiculous to leave the bib on the tap. But if you say I don't like the bib on the tap because of my particular neurosis, so it would yeah. help them a lot if if you'd leave it leave it here instead. Yeah. See, I've got a good one that I can work out now. I can say, Lou, this is my, was it, um, with a, was it a complaint with complaint? recommendation? So the complaint is, Louise, whenever, you know, um, the kids are in bed and the house is all nice and clean and tidy and you go out for the night and you grab your going out bag, um, once you put your purse in it, you empty the entire contents of that bag on the dining room table um, and then leave. I find that quite annoying when it's all clean and tidy. Uh, recommendation, don't fucking do it. <laughs> or put it in a drawer. But that happens a lot in our house. How about I have bought you this beautiful bejeweled box <laughs> and I would like it if. Yeah, you could put 
your mints, the car keys, crushed up pom bears in it, rather than on the dining table. Yeah. And pop it in the box. A bejeweled box. A bejeweled yeah. box so we can put all that. <laughs> sure That's it's... a recommendation. Uh, oh, Philip, it's been amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Philippa. Um, the book again. Oh, yeah. My book is The Book You Wish Your Parents Had Read and Your Children Would Be Glad That You Did. And you'll just have the best life <laughs> with this book. No more arguing, no more chores. You'll just enjoy yourselves all day long. Everything's a walk in the park. And when you're not enjoying yourself, you'll learn to accept your other feelings as well. It's great. I'm going to be honest, <laughs> Philippa, it genuinely has had a huge positive impact on my life and my relationship with my daughter. So thank you very much for that. And I love you for saying that. Thank you, Josh. No, genuinely. Thank you. And most of the questions that come in weren't questions. Said I haven't got a question. I just want to say it's the best book about parenting ever written. So oh. you have got a lot of fans, Philippa. Um, oh, so nice. definitely grab that book. Um, thank you so much. For thank you so this. much, Philippa. And it's out in paperback from the thirty-first of December. Uh, one last question is: Do you think we need to change the name of our podcast to save our children having issues yes. in a future life? Please. Well, but what I would say is though, it does really help, you know, sort of comedically and get 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 clicks and likes, doesn't it? The name. Yeah, it's lovely what we to the children the butt of our jokes. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> such a great idea for their self-esteem. <laughs> oh no! Oh no, what have we done, Josh? Could we negotiate it to purgatory? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we'll have to think of that now. I think if you've told us it's gonna affect our children, we have to change well, the name the of it. The problem is now, I'm never gonna be able to think about I mean we, we are going to have to change it now, aren't we? <laughs> I That's think, it. Uh, Philip, I think if you... Philip, if you said to Josh that you should change the title deeds to his house into your name, he'd go, yeah, it's probably quite a good idea, actually. <laughs> it's probably a good way forward, yeah. I think you've got a lot of sway over Josh Trinicum. Thank you very much, Philippa. I'm really glad I came because I've had a lovely time. Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much, Philippa. Josh, you are... I've never seen you like this. You're just... It's, far, it's like you've just met Elvis. Do you know what? When I met Blur, I was equally uh, tongue-tied. <laughs> also, I saw your face getting livid when I, I said a couple of things and Philip was like, yeah, I think that's a good way to do it. She, you, you, you were know scrambling what, Rob, You were something. absolutely... I've ne you were turning on the parenting performance of a lifetime. It was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. I, really, I really took it up a few notches. As it well, was though. genuinely... It was like watching you describe parenting. It was like watching uh, Pele describe his best goals. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Oh dear, oh, but that was great though. She's so, so interested. You've read the book, Lou, my wife's read the book and I've read bits of it and Lou has repeated that book at me to the point where I felt like I've listened to the audio book <laughs> weirdly read by my wife. And I know that Philippa's like quite zen and a therapist and, and she goes, no, but all kids need to be engaged with, they've learned that behaviour before. But sometimes I do look at a kid and think, you're a fucking prick, mate. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, not, uh, not mine, not my own, but some kids, you look at them. So that's the type of kid that I think you cannot engage with. <laughs> Rob, I need to ask you what we're going to do. What, what's your views on the title? I mean, I totally get, uh, I get what she's saying. I don't feel like we moan about our kids. Too. It's more we about don't. our own. I don't. We don't ever blame our children in this podcast. No. But now I am conflicted whether it is a bad image that, as the children grow older and they go like, "Oh, I heard about your dad moaning about you on a podcast that my mum and dad listened to." Imagine hearing that at school. Yeah. But then, if oh. we don't talk about our kids, what are we going to do? I would argue that. And I think this is true, that listening to the podcast, and I think we're very careful with that. Also as well, then there's that argument that 
how much you talk about them on stage as well. Yeah. And Jerry Seinfeld says that it's like, it's a family effort to pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, can we earn enough money through this that we can afford the therapy? That's the balance, isn't it? What kind of loss or gain would oh, we get? Mate. But anyway, we'll have a think about the name. Anyway, thank you to Philippa. Uh, Philippa Perry's book, The Book You Wish Your Parents Had Read and Your Children Will Be Glad That You Did, is out on the 31st of December in paperback. It's quite interesting with all the questions we got for Philippa, Josh, that um, that you can definitely tell there's a weird split of our audience for this podcast because there was people going, best book I've ever read. read. I've, and some questions I didn't get time to do was like, how do you deal with a sibling of an autistic child in the complex needs yeah. of that child? And my, my, I've got these stepkids and all these really intricate family stuff. And then there was also people that said, fuck off Beckett, too fed. <laughs> So I can't, I just don't know an Instagram account that has these worlds colliding. It's like, it's mental. It's like Oasis supporting Michael Bublé at Wembley. Can you imagine the queue for the bar? Um, yeah, so anyway, thank you for all your questions. Sorry we didn't yeah, get through Sorry we didn't get through them. Hopefully we'll try and get Philip back once yes. we change. The, I think we'd have to change the name before that though. Right. Yeah. Right. See you next week. Cheers, bye.